Cougar fans, it is time. Touchdown! What a grab! It's time to raise your colors, raise your voice, and join in on the raucous roundtable about your favorite team, the BYU Cougars. 20-15-10-5, It's time to tailgate. Cougar Tailgate, where BYU sports fandom lives. And here's your host, Lauren McClain. What's up, Cougar Nation? I'm Lauren McClain, and we're here to tailgate with you, doing what we do best, talking all things BYU Cougars. For today's roundtable discussion, we have BYU TV sports producers Brandon Crow. What's up, Brandon? What up, Lauren? And Hema Hemuli. Malolele. <laughs> what does that mean? That means hello. Oh, okay, that was beautiful. <laughs> you were like singing it. I loved it. Pre- I thought we were in the live production of yeah. Moana here for well, a second. No <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> make way, make way. Uh, appreciate you guys coming on. There's a whole lot happening with BYU Sports right now, and you both are knee-deep in all of the madness. I want to know what's captured most of your attention lately with BYU football missing bowl eligibility, women's soccer's historical comeback in the Elite Eight, basketball cruising through their schedule so far, and women's volleyball heading to the NCAA tournament as a four-seed. Hema, what has captured your attention most right now? Um... Yeah, for me, I think it's, I mean, soccer is great. Like, I think things are also shaping up. Like, you know, as a producer, you think of, like, storylines and things right. like that. And things are shaping up for it to be a BYU revenge tour on their way to a national title. So uh, that part's been really intriguing intriguing to me um, in this part of the season so far. What about you, Brennan? I, I would have to say the same thing uh, just for the sake of conversation. I, I, I would say, you know, it's you're pulling for volleyball. You're pulling for for Olmstead, uh, for Coach Heather and, and her squad, and to be able to have that high of a seed right now, uh, I, I think it's awesome. And I think uh, I think we might talk about this later, but you can go to Vegas and and you can put some money down that BYU historically and going forward, their uh, their Olympic sports are, are top notch, and they're probably the most consistent programs out of all of well, aside from the Cougarettes. Uh, right. uh, BYU, but uh, there's a lot of good things going on. Soccer for sure, volleyball, and uh, basketball is surprising. And you know what's nice is amidst, because obviously football is king, it just is, that's what people care most about, for good or for bad. It's nice to have some really positive things happening in the program at the exact same time as BYU is falling short. Women's soccer has been incredible. BYU women's soccer's 4-3 comeback over North Carolina at Southfield last week. It was magical and they made it to the final four and carry North Carolina. These women don't quit. They're so dangerous on the offensive side. So we're going to talk about some other amazing, amazing BYU sports runs, excluding the 1984 football run, okay? BYU's women's soccer 2021 national title runner-up run. Okay, you guys need to pay attention here because you're going to tell me which one was your favorite, okay. what stands out to you the most, okay? Let's go. The Jimmer 2011 Sweet 16 run, Danny Ainge 1981 Elite 8 run, 2014 Women's Volleyball National Title Up runner-up, and 2004 Men's Volleyball National Title. So, we were alive for all but one of those runs. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Cleon, I know he hates when I bring up age. But which one of those stands out to you the most, Brandon? Oh, very difficult, very difficult. Uh, Funny story about the Danny Ainge thing is my dad served a mission in Spain, and when he was there, uh, he served uh, on this military base called Rota, and he said that they were one of their assignments was that they were helping build chapels and stuff, and so he said at night he 
he was able to take a transistor radio from one of the the army guys, and he actually on his mission. I'm sure you weren't supposed to do this, but he actually listened. <laughs> he actually listened to the Danny Ainge uh, no coast way. to coast game. He listened to like that whole run while he was on his mission. So he told me stories about that. But like you said, I wasn't alive. I think for <laughs> me personally, um, growing up in California, I didn't have access to to watching BYU sports all the time, and so the 2011 Jimmer run I, I feel like stands out to me the most just because that was where like it just took off nationally Mm -hmm. and then you know i was a kid where everybody anything byu related everybody would always ask me stuff and so then it was just (laughs) like hey tell me about this jimmer guy and i was like i'm trying to figure it out too dude like you know i (laughs) so but the fact you know the the Kawhi leonard game san diego state here that's gonna go down in you know byu sports lore forever and I think that was the, the most memorable out of those decision uh, picks there. I love it. Pema, what about for you? Yeah, mine's the same. I, yep. the, the Jimmer era was like so much fun. And also like I was older, so like I was able to enjoy it more, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I, I Like obviously with my dad being on the 84 team, like those were the tapes we watched growing up was like the whole 84 season and stuff like that. Um, I but, should have had the caveat. Hema can pick the 1984 <laughs> run, but me and you can't. No, no. it's. A, I mean, but like, it, like chronologically, there was still before my time, right? So like, and and same with like the uh, the Danny Ainge stuff. So like, although I learned about that and I grew up with it, being a BYU fan growing up and all that stuff, Jimmer Fredette, like that run was just like I was in it. And I was yeah. part of it, and it was so much fun. Yeah, we're all around the same age, so I'm going with the Jimmer thing, too. I was a student at BYU during that, and I was in the broadcast program, and so they sent us to Denver when they played Gonzaga. Nice. And, and we just had that, this front row, you know, press row, first time in my life. I'm like, this is amazing. And what was so cool during that is they, they treated Jimmer like a, a god. Like, yeah. it was just surreal to see. And so I think that's why it sticks out in my mind. I remember the cheerleaders they think they played Wofford in that first game in Denver and the cheerleader. Thank you. Yes. And the (laughs) cheerleaders were just out of their minds. Every time Jimmer would dribble down the the court, I'm like, even the the cheerleaders know who this guy is, you know, like they're, they're so aware. And then in this press conference after it just filled up with people, like he just was this unreal sensation. And so, yeah, I'm going to have to go with that 2011 run too. Well, I think also it it was just like that run, what he did, uh, but like the cover of the Sports Illustrated that he was on with that angle where it looks like he's just levitating. Like that was super cool. Uh, What was it? Little Wayne? Little Wayne had him drop the line like like Jimmer or something. Scoring like Jimmer. Kevin Durant said best shooter in the world. Yeah, all that type of stuff. It was just one of those things where it's like, is this real? Yeah. No, it's true. And like, uh, you know, know, much later – or early in my career, much later on, like after Dreamers years or whatever, I would run into like players. Like, so I worked for KSL and we would do a lot of jazz stuff. And like, I would, I wore a lot of BYU gear. And um, you can argue if that's professional or not, but I, <laughs> uh, but I would wear stuff. And like, you know, D'Angelo Russell would say things like, oh, Jimmer, yeah, man. Like, I remember, like, because they were ki- little kids during yeah. that, you know, whole run. And, and so it just keeps continuing forward. Now with the stuff Jimmer's doing and like the three on three and stuff like that, it's just, it's it's more of a historical uh, landmark for me personally. Yeah, yeah. As, yeah. I, as I'm, I'm sure it is with you guys. Yeah. Last thing on that, uh, my sister graduated high school in 2011, and so we took a family trip to New York. I had a friend who was a student here who got me a Jimmer jersey, and just for fun, I, I wore it. We're in the Empire State Building, and we have to take this massive elevator goes all the way up, and they have these like, uh, if you ever been to Disneyland, they have like the Hollywood the 
hotel tower or terror. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. They have like the guys dressed up. So they had like one of those actual like bell dudes and we get up there and he, in his thick New York accent he, he's like, oh, we got Jimmy Federer up here. Jimmy Federer. Oh, I love watching you play Jimmy Federer. So I was like, yeah. You're like, close, man. Yeah, was good. Good pull, though. That is so funny. I, I, what I've learned from this is name your kid something unique like Jimmer. Because if, if you name him like, sorry if there's a Cody Johnson. I don't know why that's the first name that came to my brain. But really, truly, the people are not going to remember him. But Jimmer, yeah. that's such a unique name. For sure. And so people remember him. Absolutely. Not only for what he did, but for his unique name. Yeah. That's why I named my child Memphis, right? I mean, okay. Exactly. All right. Now let's talk about a different type of football, which didn't have the same fortune as the other football team on campus last week. BYU football misses a bowl game for the first time since 2017. Falling to five and seven on the season after losing in double OT in Stillwater to Oklahoma State, what was your initial reaction after Isaac Rex fumbled on the final play of the game and you realized the season was over, Hema? Um, initially, I was like, I um, this is one hundred percent what happened. I felt bad for Isaac, yeah, because they replayed it so many times and seeing it slow motion on the big screen, like it was just a really good defensive play, right? And if that's the way you like end the game. It's a heartbreaker, but it's not like a big mess up, which can be a little more embarrassing. So yeah. I felt bad for Isaac because he was obviously going to take it hard, but um, there's not much you can do against a good defensive play. Uh, overall, um, I've I've kind of like come to peace, come to terms with not being in a bowl game because looking back, you know, it's all about expectations, right? And like the narrative of the season going into the season, you know, Vegas had us at three and a half wins. Right. right. Yeah. And I remember me, Spencer Linton, all these all the other guys just like trying to count wins, like to see where yeah. we can where we can go bowling, where we could get more than three and a half wins. And, you know, five and seven is kind of par for the course of what people thought we were gonna be. Maybe even a little bit higher. A little bit higher, absolutely. But it's like the way we lost a lot of these games absolutely. is the thing that changed our perspective throughout mm-hmm. the season. So it feels a little bit more like a failure. But yeah. I I think the guys can be proud of a five-win season in their first Big 12 appearance, first time you've played 10 P5 straight. Like it's not, it's not something to be sulking about, right. I think. And I think fans sometimes lose that perspective. But I, that's what I think, you know, and that's all. All these emotions came at the end of that game. Right. So. They weren't used to being smacked in the mouth over and over, over and over, over. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> week after week <laughs> after week. They didn't get a break, and they yeah. had in previous seasons. What do you think, Brandon? What went through your brain? Uh, so I'll be completely 100% honest here. Hopefully this doesn't hurt my chances of coming back on this show. But... Uh, <laughs> Say it first, and then I'll decide. Sure. <laughs> we can edit it out later. That, yeah, yeah. That, that first drive in the second half, when Oklahoma State just comes down and scores, I immediately turned to my wife and I said, I don't have a good feeling about this. I think I don't know if BYU is going to last. Just because you just you you felt the wind go out of the sails, mm-hmm. and it just it seemed like you know if if this was like a boxing match, you know it just seemed like BYU has given it their all. They had, um, I guess, the my theme for the Cougars this year was missed opportunities. Yeah. Uh, you know, like you look back at, at those losses, a lot of those losses, uh, aside from the blowouts, but a lot of the losses went came down to, to just mistakes. Yep. And, and those can be prevented. And if you take away those preventable mistakes, then BYU, mm-hmm. is it, it, we're, we're bowling right now. Easy. Uh, but yeah, I just, I felt bad for, for the way that it ended. But I think 
a lot of the times uh, as fans, you get the the Arkansas game, and then all of a sudden it's just like mind is blown, and our our tempered expectations go out the window because we're like we just beat an SEC team on the road, mm-hmm. prime time, like let's go. And so then you start projecting and thinking all these other things, and then you're like, hey, just take a step back. You have to realize Kansas is really good. Yeah. And you have, you know the Big Twelve <clears throat> is really good, and the parity in the Big Twelve was unreal. Mm-hmm. It's Crazy. like. One week from top you, to bottom, which we didn't expect. Absolutely, one week, you you never knew who was going to win. Yeah, and it was like one team can get blown out by forty, then the next week they're beating somebody that's supposedly ranked higher than them by right. like thirty five. Wasn't there like at some point in the season like a six way tie for like fourth place yeah. or yeah, something it was like that? Crazy, insane. So yeah, just I I feel bad for for the way that it happened, but again, if you take a step back, you let the dust settle. The first season in the Big Twelve, having a five and seven record, it's it's not something to be super like heartbroken about. I had those tempered expectations throughout the entire Oklahoma State game because <laughs> I did I just I don't know. Even when they were up by I don't know what were they up by ten at some point, I'm like, I'm not comfortable. I am never comfortable and I, I don't want to get my heart broken. Yeah. <laughs> and so you just I just say, Let's see how this plays out. And so when he fumbled on that play, I'm like, Well, it is what it is. Let's move on. I was disappointed because there the team has so many glaring shortcomings, but there's potential and there's fight. And it's like you said, they were right mm-hmm. there in so many of those games. And so that's kind of where the disappointment comes. They had so many mistakes and turnovers, and that's that's where the difference was. And hopefully they can get those cleaned up and have a, a better run next year. I guess one of the pauses you can look at is, well, other teams are preparing for a bowl game. BYU can just hit the recruiting trail. Right? Like they, they got one goal. They can just go hey, after these guys. and We got some basketball games we can take recruits to. You there know you know go. I mean? like hey. that's, uh, that's what's we're we're going to get to that a little later. Hopefully they keep going. <laughs> what do you guys think will be the impact of missing a bowl game, though? Speaking of future recruits, on the future of this program, do you think it's going to affect it at all? Mm. No, I mean, I think it'll be a positive uh, in the future because, like, you look at it like last season, you know, going preparing for this first Big 12 season, uh, the staff, uh, us as producers, like the narratives, everything, everyone's like, what are we going to need to compete in the Big 12? Mm -hmm. Well, now that the season's over, we know exactly what we need to compete in the Big 12. We know exactly what we have we our guys have grit our guys have fight our guys went toe to toe with Oklahoma Oklahoma state mm-hmm. um beat an SEC team so we know what we're capable of doing and we needed this season to kind of see where our glaring holes are and i think we know what those weak spots are so i think it'll be a net positive because like you said we're going to hit the recruiting trail start looking for the pieces that we need to fill in for our, the next season and um so that's why I think we needed this season under our belts to see where we were really at, and um, I think that's what was accomplished. I think about when it, when I was young and uh, I was afraid to like go in the water for a lot of the time because I had a lot of ear infections, and so I was afraid to like go under, <laughs> and so then I would just be so tentative, and then you know playing around like the shallow end, whatever. And then one time uh, we were at a family party, I got out of the pool and was walking, and I had no clue that my uncle Ron was behind me. And I, my uncle Steve in the pool was just like, hey, got my attention. I had no clue Uncle Ron was behind me. He just picked me up and just chucked me in the pool. And then I just I just had to learn how to do it. And then once once I learned that I could do it, I was like, hey, this isn't bad. Yeah. And so yeah. that's what I feel like. You know, BYU got their, their, their feet wet. They, ju- they jumped in the pool this year, and they know exactly what they need to do. And I think – Hopefully, this is this is what I hope is that you 
as a coaching staff, once they figure all that stuff out, but once you, you find that out, um, then you look at the players, you look internally, and you see, okay, who do we have that's being motivated by this? And hopefully this motivates your guys to be like, I don't want that to happen again. And so that they come and they elevate their game and they elevate their offseason so that they can be able to perform at the highest level next year. And hopefully it creates a culture where they can do that and they can bring in the players that will just, you know, they can plug and play that fit that style of culture. Hopefully that's what I'm hoping happens. I don't. I hope that they're not like, you know, just going to be like, okay, well, we did make a bowl game. I don't know what my future is here, right. but I'm just going to bounce. Right. So, Which some could, right? Absolutely. I feel like the difference between uh, you and Uncle Steve and BYU football is BYU football just ran in and did a cannonball right into the water. <laughs> they wanted to get in there. True. And they drowned a little bit, and maybe it was expected. But for us fans, we always expect more. So that's what was a little bit disappointing. But there are always going to be those that choose BYU because of its association with the church. Mm-hmm. So no matter what, BYU is always going to have some recruits. What's nice is one good year could change everything. So I, I do think there are some that may be affected by BYU not making a bowl game and watching some of those losses. But one year, one good year, can change it all. So if they can pull those pieces together for this next year, have even a, a decent season, definitely go to a bowl game, I think that can change things around. We all have short memories, mm-hmm. right? I mean, we all do. And I think it's for a good reason. All right, we're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we'll hear from you, the fans, about who you will miss most from this 2023 football season. This is Cougar Tailgate. Welcome back to Cougar Tailgate. I'm Lauren McLean with Brandon Crow and Hema Hemuli. Yo, yo. We asked you guys, who will you miss most from the 2023 BYU football team? And here's what you said. Watchman underscore Mike on X said, <coughs> Mr. Slovis. Uh, Kurt Lamb on IG said, Keaton Slovis, I feel like we never really got to see his talents at the quarterback position. At BYU Spudbud on X said, Isaac Rex, he's just a class act. Callan Freestone on Instagram said, Eddie Heckard. Larry Thompson on X said, all the departing soccer players. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that was low, Larry. Uh, The majority of the other responses said, Isaac Rex, Max Tooley, and AJ Wong Pachan. Let's start with you, Brandon. Who are you going to miss most from this football team? Those are a lot of really good names. Um, Isaac Rex, I was a tight end, and so I always you know, favor the tight ends. And and I think I, I talked earlier this season on Cougar Tailgate how I felt like they just needed to get him more involved. But yeah. seeing the way that you know his season, quote-unquote, ended, you just don't want that. Uh, you want him to be able to come back and redeem himself. Right. But, uh, I, I'm going to miss AJ Vonkpachong. And probably one of the main reasons why is just so I can continue to hear that name. But I, I felt like what he was able to bring to this team was 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 fantastic. And for him to be able to come and make a, a, such a direct impact so quickly and be consistent, uh, I felt like he, he emerged as a, a one of those leaders, uh, not, not just for the defense, but for everybody. And yeah. uh, it was one of those players that you can always count on. Uh, there's a big defensive play. Who's, who's involved? Oh, AJ again. And so I'm, I'm going to miss him. Yeah, solid all around as an athlete, mm-hmm. as a guy. He just kind of had that even kill personality, and I think he was a really good leader on the team. Emma, who are you going to miss most? Um, I'm going to I'm going to do the same thing you did, Brandon. So like growing up, I was a running back, and uh, you know, so I think I'm going to miss Aiden Robbins. I like the way he ran. Like he's just the kind of the, the style that he ran with is like my favorite style of running back. You know, the not afraid of contact, straight up the middle, um, strong, powerful, that sort of thing. But I'm also going to flip and say, on the defensive side, I'm going to say Max Tooley. Mm-hmm. Um, that guy is awesome. He's he's a good dude. Um, he played with Houston, my little brother, at in high school. 
Houston's like a year older than him or whatever. And so I knew I've known Max Tooley forever, but um, same, just like AJ, those two guys, like big play, you knew where they were. Yep. You, you needed a big hit. Those guys were there. Um, and I think we're going to be hurting next season on the linebacker side of mm-hmm. things because yeah. of this giant gap that those two are leaving behind. Mm. I think Max Tooley is one of those guys that has a little bit of a screw loose. Yeah, in oh, a he's, good way. He's Absolutely. crazy. Like you have to, right? Yeah. No, he's nuts. Yeah. You need that. Yeah, you as a linebacker, like you, you've got to have that. And I think he has. He's going to make it to the next level. I think he has. He has that about him. Hopefully, we get Aiden Robbins back for one more year. Yeah, that'd be great. Mine uh, is Eddie Heckard. I he had mm. five interceptions, three forced fumbles. He was a disruptor. He's fiery. He's a leader. He kind of just came into the program knowing exactly what he wanted to do, and truthfully, he came in and did it. Yeah. And yep. and I feel like it's you mentioned Brandon like who's in on that big play? I feel like that for me that was Eddie Heckard. For sure. Absolutely. He Absolutely. was he was there on on almost every big play. So I think he's going to be missed. So the defense does have a lot of holes mm-hmm. to fill next season. Okay guys, we're going to play off-season football buy or sell. So you tell me if you're going to buy or sell this, okay? The first one is okay. BYU needs to get the 2024 starting quarterback via the portal. Are you buying it or selling it, Hema? Uh, I'm buying it, I think. Um, not that you know we don't have any good players, uh, quarterbacks on our roster. They're all just very young. You saw yeah. a lot of – I mean, I'm talking about Jake, most yeah. of us left. <laughs> he, talented kid. Um, he's just young. And it would be nice to have a portal quarterback who can um, – Show him the ropes a little bit, um, I, and even by example, you know, let him let the the starter play a little bit, and Jake can get some reps behind him. I think that's what's needed. Okay, mm. what do you think, Brandon? I'm going to sell this. I think wow. I think uh, I have faith in my Shalomi homie Jake, <laughs> and I almost spit my drink out. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I think oh, I think it was man. a trial by fire with him, and I think he was able to to see what he can do, and and I feel like. What he was able to do with his legs, it wasn't a Jaron Hall type of thing, but he was able to, to to make some plays. He was able to improvise. And I think towards the later half of the season, that was able to help BYU get Aiden Robbins and get that running game going because defenses had to, to respect and recognize what Jake was able to do. And and the mistakes, if you want to look at like the interceptions and things like that, I personally think that that was more play calling mistakes than mm. it was on on Jake himself. I think I think the kid can sling it, and he's got two more years. I think upside is all there for him. And lots of people are saying great things about Ryder Burton, who is behind him. And so I yeah I don't know. This one was hard for me. I think the more competition, the better. I think Austin Colley mentioned that on BYU Sports Nation. So it's never a bad thing to go get a great quarterback and bring it in and have a quarterback battle because you think of all the great quarterbacks that have come out of BYU. There's always a battle. There, you know, and I feel like there we haven't had that the last few years, and maybe that's been a problem. I don't know. Can I can I flip the tables yeah. here? If if you have the choice, and you're and you're out there in the portal, who would you want to bring in? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. That's a good question. Here's the thing, too, though. Like the portal, it's still relatively new, but we're seeing more and more that it doesn't necessarily matter where you've come from to be a. If you go into the portal, you could come out and play for Notre Dame and be a phenomenal quarterback. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, there's the portal, um, I think, is the great evener of everything. Mm. Um, and so that's the only reason why I think it, it'd be a good way to, and a quick way to build some depth. But uh, yeah, I don't know who you would bring in. I don't, I don't either. All I know is I want a guy that has more than one <laughs> year. I don't want a one and done guy anymore. 
unless you're like sure yeah. that Jake Ritzlaff is going to be the guy the next year. You know what I mean? Like I, I don't know. I have it, a hard time with the one and done. But it's probably going to be a mobile quarterback, is what. Yes, I'm, I'm predicting. I think, um, yeah, Aaron Rodgers calls plays a lot better with a mobile quarterback. Yeah. So it seems. All right, number two is Aiden Robbins should be the 2024 starting running back. You buying or selling a Hema? <laughs> Um, I'm buying that. Okay. okay. And let's, let's use the word starter loosely, right? Yeah. Like, you know, you, you're the first person on the field, you're the starter. Yeah. Right? But you look at the running backs that could be possibly coming back, you know, Aiden Robbins is going to be in there. LJ Martin, we already know he's special and saw what we can, he can do. Don't forget about like Folau Ropati, like he's coming back off of an injury. Yeah. And he had a phenomenal season in 2021. Like, is that Hinkley? Hinkley, yes. Okay. Sorry, Fulau. Yeah, that's he's he's <laughs> you know as soon as he's back and he's able to run, people forgot about yeah, like, the great he's good. way he ran you know against Boise State and mm-hmm. like all these other teams, and so uh, I think Aiden should be the starter. I think you, you you need a big bruising back to get the tone settled, and then you can bring in the speedy guys. Then you can bring bring in the gadget guys. Um, so yeah, and Miles good. Davis yeah, has Miles more time, Davis. right? Yeah. Lots of guys. What do you think? I'm I'm gonna agree. I'm gonna I'm gonna buy that, and uh, I think it, it's kind of crazy, kind of sad that I feel like the 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 days of just a lone back are gone, and it's got to be more running back by committee. And you need those differences back there. You need the bruiser. You need the the more dynamic, the speed guy. And so I think if we're able to get Aiden Robbins back, then and we get Hinkley back, uh, BYU will have you know a fantastic running back core that they can throw in and and uh, Roderick can, can play with and I think that'll be awesome yeah I agree uh I'm gonna buy it I I, I love the size of Aiden Robbins the first time I met him uh at uh, it was a spring ball or fall camp and I did an interview with him I'm like this dude huge like <laughs> how, is this, how yeah. is this guy the running back and we didn't be we weren't able to see what he could do until the last couple of games and then I'm like yes that mm-hmm. is it. That's what BYU needs. And so, heck yeah, bring him back. All right, the next one is the transfer portal is a positive for BYU. Are you buying it or selling it? Right now, I would I would buy that. Absolutely. I think Kalani, uh, he talked about in the post, in the presser, uh, either the presser or halftime on Saturday, um, he said that BYU needs, needs to get back to their roots. And I feel like this is just me and again this is my personal opinion uh cougar nation i know you're out there and you're probably (laughs) tweeting about this whatever i might be wrong but this is for me BYU's roots it's not line it up and we're going to play smash mouth football try and run it down you that's not BYU's roots BYU's roots is they're trying to find the the guys the the island of misfit toys i guess you could say where people overlook them and by just looking at them you're like i don't think this guy can do anything really and he goes out there. You get the the Julian Edelmans, the Wes Welker types, where you just you line them up. You just have creativity on the offensive side, and you just chuck it and you use the pass to to open up the run. And so I feel like you can get those guys in the in the transfer portal. And uh, if you you know sell them the right way, you can get them to come in and buy into your system. And I feel like that for the time being will be a great way for BYU to get these these guys to come in. And uh, and showcase some stuff that uh, BYU fans of old have been missing. Mm, that's interesting. Yeah, BYU does thrive as an underdog. Like that is true. I wonder how long in a Power Five conference that can last, though, where you're just kind of getting these misfit pieces and being creative. How long is that going to last? Bo- Boise State kind of thrives off of that same style. So that's a, that's an interesting take. I like it. What do you think, Emma? Uh, I'm buying it. I think 
I think it depends on the way you get people out of the portal. Um, BYU, as of recently, has become the spot for people that have left Utah and then come back. Right. Interesting. Mm-hmm. We're, we're talking about like the the Samson and Puka Nakua's. Right. The Kingsley Suamata is uh, like who else? Uh, Harrison Taggart. Like yeah. recently. Like um, I think that's a Houston. Houston. Yeah, yeah. My brother. Yeah. There's like you know I think there's a way you can do it that way. I think you know when the when the Nakua's came over, I'm like this is the start of something big because I think we're gonna get more guys like that because of the culture Kalani brings. Um, the way Kalani coaches, he's a player's coach, man. P- players love him, and they would run through a brick wall for him. And people that have left, especially like before Kalani was here, <clears throat> see what's out there, and then they're like, oh, wait, let's come back and mm-hmm. see what Kalani yeah. um, can do because I know he'll take care of me, like that sort of thing. And so I think that's the new way that BYU's got to do stuff is, is through the portal in that way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it's coming up. They're gonna be they're gonna be hitting the trail really really soon here recruiting and in the transfer portal so we'll see what happens. We're gonna transition to BYU basketball because you mentioned that these recruits will be able to go to some basketball games now that the season's over. BYU basketball might be the most surprising team in the country right now. The team was projected to finish second to last in the Big Twelve, started six and zero, ranked tenth in Ken Palm and ranked nineteenth in the AP poll. They had an impressive win over national title runner-up San Diego State at the Marriott Center. And during Thanksgiving, they won the Vegas Showdown with wins over Arizona State and NC State. Those fans, man, by the way. Uh, BYU had very low (laughs) expectations going into the season, but they have shocked everyone with their start. So we're going to play a game of what are the chances BYU basketball style? Because this is an interesting team. How long can this last? I think that's what everyone is is wondering here. So you guys got to give me a percentage. What are the chances? Uh, Number one, we see another chippy scrap on the court like we did uh, when they were in Vegas. What are the chances? That we Emma? see it this season? Well, remember, so Atiki Ali Atiki yeah. was ejected after throwing no, a punch uh, at ASU. 100%. Yeah. 100%. Atiki's, 100%. Atiki's yeah. the fiery guy. It's going to happen <laughs> yeah. a couple more times this year, especially in a league that's as dynamic and uh, physical as yes. Big 12. I said 100% too. What about you? I'm going to say 1,000%. <laughs> Just because I hope, you know what? I liked it. I, I didn't hate it either. Because that's well, the punch, me, maybe not the I punch. I wouldn't consider that a punch. It was more like a eh, whatever. Yeah. But I think that's something that BYU's lacked. And and that's it, it showed that they have a backbone. Yeah. And I think a lot of people were like, hey, okay. You know, granted, like two or three times in the same game, it's like, okay, maybe not. <laughs> But you look at the upcoming games, dude. We were playing Utah, and oh, it's yeah. just like that's it's like three games away, and so just that alone, you know, the emotions are going to be there. But I hope that they can keep that edge and then just just hone it, you, you know, not be so uh, easily, yeah, pushed um, around. Pushed, yeah, if you just want to be able to just you have that edge, you can be you can bully. But you don't have to be an idiot. Yeah, yeah. for sure. No, you you got to have it. You have to have, have it. To. When you're competing at that high of a level, you have to have a little bit of chippiness. All right, number two, what are the odds BYU continues the undefeated streak out of conference? They are going to be playing away in Utah, at Utah in the Huntsman Center. So what do you think, Emma? What Oof. percentage? Uh, they got to get to 13. I'm, I'm going to say like 75%, which is wow. still pretty high. That is I really high. I was pleasantly surprised with this with the BYU basketball team and in in ways that I didn't foresee. I didn't foresee Noah Waterman developing into a 
big time player like the way he has been um same with trey stewart who like let's be honest didn't have a lot of points per game last year but now he's he's really commanding the offensive Mm -hmm. side um so that's why i think it's high but i'm still trying to keep my expectations (laughs) a little tempered (laughs) yeah uh but yeah for sure what do you think brandon what percentage math math, yes uh i'm gonna i'll probably say 45 percent okay yep and that doesn't mean you know that uh that that's a a bad thing but the for your question the undefeated going into conference there's still quite a bit of games left to play and there are some really good teams that Buey needs to play and so Going undefeated before conference play is going to be tough, so I think I think they will have a loss or two before conference. Yeah, and I agree. I said fifteen percent. I think 15. it's lower than I. I think they're going to lose, <gasps> and you know what? I don't think that's How a are bad you the thing. Host of this show, fifteen <laughs> percent. I can have opinions too. No. I what I think is I don't think it's a bad thing if BYU loses heading into conference. No, I, absolutely not. Man, they're going to have a target on their back. <laughs> this this is me being like, oh please, like it's BYU. Remember, um, I. They will have a huge target on their back if they head into conference play undefeated. And, man, teams are just going to get up for them. And you were almost hoping they would look over them, right, instead. So I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing. And I think it's a good thing to learn from a loss. Every team has to do it. And then you can kind of gather yourself before conference play starts. I don't want it to be against Utah. That's my only stipulation. <laughs> All right, the last one is, what are the odds? This is a repeat of 2021 season. BYU started off 6-0, and smacked down on Oregon, fell apart in WCC play, finishing 9-6, and and a disappointing fifth in the conference. What are the odds it's going to be a repeat of that season, Hema? Uh, I'm going to say, like, 33%. Okay. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think it'll be a repeat because we were just hammered by injuries. Yeah. And um, we had a lot of new pieces. And this team this year is essentially a lot of carryovers from the last season. Mm-hmm. And so I think um, I think the team we see on the floor now is the team that we have. Whereas like last season, there were so many new people that we brought in. And because of injuries, we played a lot of people out of position and, and stuff like that. So I, I really don't think last year's going to repeat itself. What do you think, Brandon? Yeah, I, I'm going to go 0%. Zero percent that, that it, they're going to get smacked down in Big Twelve play. Well, not not well when you when you phrase it like yeah. like that. No, but like zero percent, it's going to be a repeat of the twenty one yeah. season. Uh, obviously, we know that the Big Twelve basketball is is a buzzsaw in, in in conference play. But I think this team, like Hema said, they they have an identity that the other team didn't have, and then they're going up against teams that, in their mind, they're like, okay, we know that these teams historically are always consistent, and so mentally you prepare for that. Uh, Twenty one, that was arguably Gonzaga's you know greatest team, best team of all time. Yeah, and you know it's just one of those things where. You had that feud, you know, with BYU and Gonzaga. It's like, hey, we've beaten them before, type of thing. But I just think the mentality is completely different, and I think the type of the type of guys that we have are, are different, and I think everything's just built different. So I do not think it's going to be a repeat of that 21 season. And I agree. With you. I, I said 25. percent I don't think it will feel like that season. Could their record be similar? Sure. As it was in 21, 2021. Absolutely. I, mean, I, I even don't think that this team this year is going to lose to like a UVU. You know what yeah. I mean? Like I oh. don't think. Like, please no. This team is a different beast, um, you know. Until I'm proven wrong, but like I think, I think they look 
fantastic. Yeah, they really do. All right, guys, thank you so much for coming on today. That does it for us today. Thanks again to Brandon Crow and Hema Haymuli for coming on the show with me. Carter Ron and Tori Kimball helped produce this episode with senior producer Cleon Wall. You can join the Cougar Tailgate wherever you get your podcasts on Apple, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, or on BYUradio.org. Cougar Tailgate is a production of BYU Radio.